Assalamu alaikum, family. Peace, healing, and light. And welcome back to another episode of Healing with Angelica's podcast, where we discuss all things healing. And if you are new to the show, welcome, 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 beautiful souls. On today's broadcast, we have a special guest joining us today. One man that I absolutely love and adore and a pioneer when it comes to living an abundant life, Dr. Abdul Aleem Muhammad, as we'll be discussing today's topic, how to live an abundant life. Dr. Aleem, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Wa alaikum salam. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is a pleasure and honor. All praises is due to Allah. Dr. Aleem, and for those who do not know who Dr. Abdul Aleem Muhammad is, I will share a brief introduction. So Dr. Abdul Aleem Muhammad is a native of York, Pennsylvania, where he was born, raised, and attended public schools. He was a star athlete in track and field, a national merit scholar, an actor, an accomplished poet, and a musician. His involvement in civil and human rights struggles began at the age of six when he attended a NAACP convention in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. On academic scholarship, he attended Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio, and graduated with a degree in biology in 1971. In 1975, he graduated from Case Western Reserve School of Medicine and spent the next five years in training at Harlem Hospital in New York to become a general surgeon. He has had held several teaching positions at various medical centers and universities, but pursuing his interest in community-based alternative medicine, yes, alternative medicine, he's founded the Abundant Life Clinic in 1986. He is, a, he is best known for his clinical research in HIV and AIDS and is a pioneer in the use of Cameron for the treatment of HIV disease. All praises due to Allah. Now let's get started on today's special broadcast, How to Live an Abundant Life. And please, 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 I, I ask my audience all the time, it is not likely that we get Dr. Aleem on the show now. If you guys have any questions for our guests, please, please, please put your questions in the comment box below. So, as I took some time to dive deep into our topic for today, I had to further analyze the meaning of abundant life. Oh, give me one second. Are you hearing? Um, yeah, are you hearing? Deep. Okay. I think I'm hearing it too. Give me a moment. Give me a moment, y'all, because I need y'all to hear this. Okay. Do you still hear the clatter? Yes, I do. It sounds like it sounds like somebody typing. 
it's uh it's only it must be your microphone it's it's okay. when it's when you speak mm, okay i don't know what kind of microphone you're using i was just on my headphones but Okay. Can you still hear it? Yes, it's the same. Okay. Can you still hear it? Still here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't, it's, it's not all that bad. Uh, I don't know. If, does, it, does it do it when I'm speaking? Oh. Go talk. Let me see. Okay. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> no. I'm only, I only, I'm only hearing it on my end. Maybe if you go out and come back in. I don't, yeah, I, I give mean, me I a moment. Okay, are you still hearing it? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna have to make it do what to do. <laughs> so we're gonna pray to Allah that the static will clear as we continue. So so as I took some time to dive deep into our topic for today, I had to further analyze the meaning of abundant. I want to turn sound down or up. Hold on a second. Okay. Well, yeah, we just gonna have to make it work. So yes. Yeah, so, however, when it comes to life and to my understanding as to why we are in the condition that we are in today, um, it is allowing us to be satisfied with settling for the bare minimum when it comes to one not being able to fully express their God-given abilities to live an abundant life. And that brings me to my first question for you, Dr. Eileen. What what is an abundant life? Okay, uh, what is an abundant life? Um, well, the word 
abundant has to do with quantity, amount, the amount of something. And that's on the positive side. Abundance, or that which is abundant, is something that is in huge amounts, big, big supply. And so to say what is an abundant life is to ask the question, how big is your life? Or put another way, not to be so personal and direct, how big is life itself? Not just your personal individual version of life, but if we look at life as a totality, from the beginning of life to the end of life, which is to say, the eternity of life. You see, so then we're asking the question, well, how big is that? And if we know that the author of life, the self-created God, Allah, then we're asking the question, how big is Allah? Well, every Muslim knows how to say Allahu Akbar. And the translation of that is, whatever it is that you're talking about, Allah is greater than that. Allah is bigger than that. So if you wanted to say, what is the most abundant life? Is the life of God. So then one of the subtitles of your podcast has to do with closing the gap. What gap? The gap between what you actually are right now and what God intended for you to be. See, that's the gap. Mm. What are you? You're a body, you're a mind, your intelligence, your emotions. You're actually a spirit, in essence, a spirit who has the job of managing a body, a spirit that has the challenge of managing a mind, getting control of intelligence, hmm. and then using both the body and the mind as tools for the spirit to achieve oneness with its creator. Hmm. That's closing the gap. And that's the definition of health. Do you have a physical body that is what God intended for you to have? Or has it been damaged, injured, and limited uh, by things that have been against life? Hmm. What about your mind? Do you have a mind such as uh, Allah created it to be? Is it full of the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God? Hmm. Or is it full of fairy tales and myths and lies and chaos? And then what about your spirit? How healthy is your spirit? I don't want to forget about your emotions either. How healthy are your emotions? How good is your emotional intelligence? Is it what it should be? 
can you just display the full range of human emotions such as are depicted as the qualities or the attributes of God himself? And then what about the health of the spirit? Is your spirit healthy enough to dwell with God? Or would God's spirit have to hold you at a distance because uh, you're not pure enough? See, that's closing the gap to understand that you, you have to get control of your body. See, uh, look at uh, what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad See, this is from uh, March 1968. Can we survive? See, that's about health, isn't it? When somebody asks a question about health, what are they asking? Can, can I survive? Will I make it till tomorrow? Will I live to see my grandchildren? Will I live long enough to fulfill my divine mission? given to me by Almighty God, or will I get sick and break down before I fulfill my mission? See, how strong is the foundation? Can we survive? So then we have to ask that question, well, what is the foundation of life? Asking how strong is the foundation? Well, what is the foundation made of? Well, the foundation for life is nutrition. See, so if you want to live, you got to know how. Everybody's alive, but they don't know how to stay alive. See, so in the Bible, in John 10 and 10, it says, I am come that you might have life. Well, wait a minute, you already have life. But that you might have it more abundantly. Well, who's the one speaking? It's written there on the cover of the book from Allah in person, from God in person. God in person has come that you might have life and have it more abundantly than what you've been living. You see, uh, let me show you something. See, hope you can see that. See, what is your own? Mm. What is your own self? Well, the only thing that you own that is yours is your time, your attention, and your energy. That's all you have. So now if you intend to close the gap, well, how much of your time are you willing to devote to closing the gap? Mm. Well, said another way, how much time does it actually take for you to close the gap? How much of your energy are you willing to devote to closing the gap? How much of your attention, your consciousness, are you willing to devote to closing the gap? You only have 168 hours in a week. So how many of those hours do you use 
for yourself, for your own self, to close the gaps for how much of your time, how much of your energy, how much of your concentration or attention is given to other people and other things that have nothing to do with your health or your closing the gap. So now you have total control over your time. It's the time of your life. What else is your life except the time that's given to you? And then the time that you can make for yourself by learning how to live, you don't have to be constricted to the, what is it, three score, 10 years that was given to the, the citizens, the people of this current world that's going out. That's all they were given, 70 years of life. That's it. If they were lucky, most of them never got that. But now we're being offered by Allah himself the opportunity to extend and expand our lifespan to an unlimited degree because some of us will find out as we mature spiritually in better communication with God, we'll find out that we have a mission in life that is going to take 500 years. Well, wouldn't that be a sorry thing to have a mission that takes 500 years to accomplish and you only live 70 years if you're lucky? That would make uh, God some kind of a cynical jokester. He's not. So when you find out what your mission is and you need 120 years, you need 300 years. How are you going to make that? When the forces of this world, the wisdom of this world will take you down into the grave uh, before you reach 70 years. You see, so that's what the challenge is. And so we have to define health in a proper way. Health is that state of existence of, of my body, my mind, my emotions, my heart, and my spirit. That all four are in complete harmony and alignment with the will and intention of the creator. And when that is true, and I'm spending all of my time giving all of my attention, all of my energy devoted to that goal, you see, then, then I'm a healthy individual. And then my healthiness will radiate. See, it will become like a light. What does the Bible say? Wisdom shineth forth from the face of a man. So anybody who ever practiced how to eat to live, uh, your face starts to shine. Your eyes start to shine. Your skin starts to glow and shine because it's full of the light of the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God himself in person. He's just like you. Flesh and blood has a mind, intelligence, emotions, but governed by a divine, eternal spirit, just like you. So that's a brief answer to your question. <laughs>
I love that, Dr. Aleem. All praises is due to Allah. So you were discussing the just the importance of closing that gap that you have between ourselves and the creator. Do you mind discussing the importance of building one's spiritual connection in order to live an abundant life? Uh, yes, um, just in case people didn't, you had a lot of static with your question, so I'll try to repeat it. So, uh, Dr. Arlene, uh, the, so, this, so this is what I'm thinking. Okay, I, I've already exited out. If you don't mind trying to exit out and come back in and then see what happens. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Hello. Oh. All right, you guys. I, I don't even think I'm not even hearing it no more. Yes. Yeah, so, yes, you guys. I want you guys to hear this. So we need to get this static under control. So yes, yes. Praise be to Allah. Praise be to Allah. And inshallah, I will try my best to get to all of the questions that we have. Just give us a moment. I would like to get this static under control so you guys can hear. Okay? So that means I might have to stop the show so you guys can hear. So, yes, give us a moment. Okay, can you hear me? Or, uh, Dr. Lean, can you yeah. hear me? Yes. How, how does it sound? Okay, it's clear now. Oh, gosh, Lord, praise be to Allah. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, okay, give me a moment. Okay, all right. <laughs> so you can hear me good. Yes, it's, it's fine. Okay, praise be to Allah. All right, we're good. Praise be to Allah. Okay, so I'm going to ask that question again um, for those who was not able to hear that question. Oh, my gosh, Dr. Arlene went in with that first question when it came to what is abundant life. He broke that down to a T. So, um, you and I love that you brought that up, The um, us fixing that gap. That's that's um, between us and our and a lot, you know, can you discuss the importance of buildings one spiritual connection in order to live life abundantly? Yes, that's a very important question. And the difficulty sometimes is in the language. Mm. See, the way you phrase the question. Um, the importance of one's 
of getting one spiritual connection. See, that's a certain way of expressing an idea. Okay. It's but it's as though you are not a spirit. You're something else trying to cultivate your spiritual connection. Mm without understanding that you in fact are only a spirit. That's all you are. It's not that you have a spirit, that you have to make a connection with and build up. You are the spirit. So then when you understand that you are the spirit, then you put things in proper perspective. Mm. The only reason why there's a gap in the first place is because you don't know that. You think you're something else. Now, most people, when they think of who and what they are, they think that they're a body. See, they'll tell you, I'm a black man. Well, what makes you a black man? Your body? Well, I'm a red man. I'm a yellow man. I'm a tall man. I'm a small man. I'm a fat man. It's all about the body. Mm. I'm a skinny woman. I'm a muscle bound woman. It's all <laughs> about the body. People go around defining themselves according to their physical attributes as though that's what they are. Mm. And if that's all you are, then all you are is a lump of clay. And certainly there's a gap between a lump of clay and God. And if you think that that's all you are is a lump of material clay, uh, well, then you would never close the gap. Mm. What about your mind? If you, uh, many people, if you ask them who they are, oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm a teacher. I didn't ask you what you do. <laughs> you want to identify yourself by your educational achievement mm. or by your occupation or by your skill set or your resume. That's what ir that's what ir that's what's irritating about somebody reading one's biography. <laughs> mm. It's a necessary evil, I understand. But that's not who I am. Or if I read your biography, that's not who you are. That's what you did. Mm. That's what happened to you. And maybe that's why you feel like you're a victim because something happened to your body that wasn't good. Something happened to your mind that wasn't good. It was miseducated. But hey, that's okay. You know why? Because you aren't your body. You aren't your mind. Mm. You're a spirit. What's the proof of that? Well, if I went to your mother's house, she would bring out the family album and she would show me a picture of you when you were a little baby. 
and you could not deny, even though you only weighed 10 pounds at that time, you could not deny that that was you. Even though 20 years later, 30 years later, whatever your current age is, hey, you weigh 100 times more than you did. Not 100 times, but maybe 10 times <laughs> more. You weighed 10 mm. pounds there. Now you weigh 150 pounds. Mm. But it's still you. Or maybe you got overweight. Now you weigh 300 pounds. You don't even look like yourself anymore, but it's still you. Mm. And then you get old and shriveled up and your body starts to waste away. So how could your body be you? Mm. It changes every day. The skin that's on your face today, that's not the same layer of skin that was there yesterday. Mm. The hair growing out of your hair today, the head today is not the same hair that was there last year. The physical body is constantly changing. That's not you. What about your mind? Isn't that constantly changing too? Mm -hmm. Uh huh. As a matter of fact, the test to see whether or not it is your mind. See if you can change it. See if you can change your mind about anything. See if you can do it. And a lot of people will find out they can't even change their mind about anything. Mm. They don't even have that much control over their mind. Just like many people, they'll, they'll, they'll confess. They have no control over their body. Oh, I just have to eat. Oh, I just have to do this. Oh, I just have to do that. They call them addictions, habits, mm -hmm. habits of the body, habits of the mind, which is an indication of what? That the mind is out of control. That the body is out of control that the stomach thinks it's running things, that the mind, the miseducated, confused mind thinks that it's running things. And both the body and the mind oblivious to the fact that they are governed under the authority of a spirit. Mm. So that's who you are, you're a spirit. Your true self is a spirit. Your true self the spiritual you, if you want to say it that way, is the God of self. The God of self is the Lord of what? Heaven and earth. Isn't that correct? Yes, Don't sir. you believe in a God that is the Lord of heaven and earth? Well, what is the heaven of a human being? It's your mind. Hmm. What's the earth of a human being? It's your body. Well, who's in charge of this heaven? Who's in charge of this earth? When you see some wrecked human being whose physical body is a wreck, hey, who's in charge here? Mm. When you see somebody's mind that's a total wreck, neurotic, psychotic, hallucinogenic, totally divorced from reality. Hey, who's in charge here? Well, it should be the God of self. Mm. So you see, when you understand who you are, that you are a spirit, that you are the God of yourself, well, then you know who's responsible. 
for bringing about peace on earth. On earth as what? As it is in heaven. Mm. So in other words, I have to line up my body and my mind and my heart and my spirit with the will of God. So there will be peace on earth. And what? Goodwill towards men. Because if my spirit's not right, if my mind is not right, if my heart is not right, if my body is not right, and they're not aligned and in harmony with one another, how can I demonstrate goodwill towards other people? Mm. Yes. No, I'll be cranky. I'll be irritable. I'll be impatient. I'll be angry. I'll be jealous. I'll have all of the negativity, all of the, the what you might call the cardinal sins. I will have all of the spiritual sins. I'll be guilty of all of them. I'll have mental disease, mental disorder. I won't be in touch with reality. I won't have a, a notion of objective reality so that I can successfully solve the problems of life. Mm. Because yeah. what is the purpose of the mind? The purpose of the mind is to use rational logic mathematical logic to solve the problems of life to make you happy mm -hmm. so if you're not happy it's only because your mind is not functioning like it's supposed to it's not doing its job and it's not doing its job because it's not under the control of the spirit mm. see seek ye first what the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven yeah. and all of these things will be added unto you. Well, what are the things that we're talking about here? Things like a mind. <laughs> Once you get the kingdom of heaven, then you get your mind back. You get your intelligence back. You start to get the actual facts about the universe back. You get your own concepts back, your own ideas, your own creativity, you get it back. And then of course, you, you get a healthy body. So that you're no longer somebody talking about, well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. So let me close on this so people get a picture of what I'm talking about. See, most people walk around like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> who's wondering who's riding me? Who's pulling the reins? Mm. See, I, I want to go over here and eat some grass and then somebody that I can't see. Some force. I can feel something on top of me. But every time I want to go somewhere, there, there's some other force that's pulling me in another direction, making me do something that I otherwise would not do as a horse. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so most people are doing what? They're using horse sense not understanding that the unseen power that is above and, and slightly behind you, that holds the reins of power over you and that controls the direction and the speed yes. and the destination, that's the higher power. See, that's the spirit. And don't, have, and don't use horse sense uh, trying to, well, how come I can't see it? 
<laughs> no, you're a human being. <laughs> and so you have more than horse sense and you have insight. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have right now, you have an image in your mind that makes you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. And a horse could never do that, could it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that analogy. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that's actually, uh, that's not original with me. Mm -hmm. If you study uh, Buddhism, mm -hmm. that's that's how Buddha described the action of the spirit. It's, it's mm -hmm. like the spirit is like a rider riding a horse. You see? Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit above and behind the horse. And it's controlling the power of the horse. Yes. You know, little itty bitty man controlling the huge, powerful animal. And so that's what we have to understand. You know, your body is powerful. How powerful is the body? You know, you see people in extreme situations, they'll pick up a car. You know, you see karate men, hey, they'll, they'll hit a, a bull with their fist and drop a bull. How strong is the body? See, we're talking about abundance again. How, how strong can the body get? How healthy can the body get? How big can the body get? We're descendants of Adam, aren't we? Yes, sir. Well, how big was Adam? According to uh, Islam, Adam was 60 cubits high. A cubit is about two feet. So 60 cubits would be 120 feet tall. Adam was 120 feet tall. Now we're the little runt offspring of Adam. Mm. Now don't say that's that's impossible. All over the world, they're they're digging up the bones of giants. Doesn't the Bible talk about giants in the land? Well, what kind of healthy person do you have to be to grow up to be a giant? When you see the Egyptian hieroglyphs, the fresco panels, they depict some of the people of uh, normal size what we consider nowadays to be normal sized people. And then there's beside them some other people that are giants. Well, we see that in the world of biology all the time. We know what a normal honeybee looks like, but then right in the same hive is the queen bee. How big is the queen bee? The queen bee is about 10 times as big as a ordinary bee. Well, what explains the difference uh, between a queen bee and an ordinary bee? They don't eat the same food. Mm. The ordinary bees are just eating uh, uh, pollen and honey. But the queen bees, she gets fed royal jelly. And because her diet is superior to uh, the diet of the, the worker bees and the drone bees, and other inhabitants of the hive, uh, she grows and she's seven, eight, nine, ten times bigger than the other bees, and she has an extended lifespan. The average bee only lives 120 days, but a queen bee, she can live for decades because why? She's eating royal jelly, a special diet mm. that increases her physical size and strength and power and her ability to reproduce, but also uh, extends her lifespan. Well, now, 
what kind of food was Adam? If Adam was 120 feet tall, well, we know where he was. He was in the Garden of Eden. So what was he eating? Mm. And if you compared what we're eating today with what he was eating, see, would there be any comparison? Mm -mm. So now maybe the maybe the Quranic scholars are lying. See, maybe Prophet Muhammad was lying when he said that Adam was 120 feet tall. Maybe they were lying. Maybe the prophets of God were lying. Maybe the only reality is what we know right now, where people are little runts at five feet and six feet. And somebody seven feet is considered to be almost a freak. Mm. Even though they uncover bones all over the world of gigantic human beings. Well, how tall was Adam? And what was he eating? And does the fall of Adam mean also the fall in stature? That he got smaller and smaller and smaller as the generations went on because the food that was being consumed was worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Because when you get right down to it, wasn't the fall of Adam all about food? That what God told Adam he should eat, the devil contradicted and Adam went along with the devil instead of paying attention to what God said? Mm, wow. Yes, yeah, that, that was the problem then. Well, what's the problem now? Mm. Same problem. People don't want to do what God said because the devil says something else. Ooh. And they'd rather do what the devil said than what God said. God said eat navy beans, whole wheat, and pure milk. Hey, people don't want to do that. I don't, I don't drink no milk. <laughs> I don't even know. They got all kinds of objections to everything God said while they're drinking pink Kool-Aid. Mm. So again, what was the fall of Adam? He disagreed with God about food. Ooh. What is the fall of humanity today? As even as individuals. If you're if you're sick and tired and fatigued, stressed out, in physical and mental and emotional distress and spiritual distress right now. Why do you think that is? Food. It's because you disagree with God on the subject of food. Mm. And you did something other than what God told you to do, and now you're suffering the consequences of it. Now, let me wind that up. You see, as Muslims, we should practice Islam. Shouldn't we? Yes. Shouldn't we? We shouldn't just call ourselves Muslims and then not practice Islam. Mm. We should actually practice Islam. So now if I understand that I as a spiritual being, that I am the God of myself, you know, not, I know there's a big God out there in the universe, but the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, hey, what's out there? Hey, the same thing is in here. Mm. So there's a big God out there in the big universe, but there's also a little God inside this little universe. And that's me. And that's you. <laughs> so now if I understand that, if I understand that I am God of this little universe I'm talking about, 
Well, then who has total responsibility there? Who has total authority there? Who has total power there? I mean, name off all of the attributes of God. That's what's there. So now if the body's out of order, who's, who's to blame? Who needs to atone? If the mind is out of order, if the emotions are, are out of order, who needs to atone? They were talking about atonement now because that's what healing is. Mm. <laughs> healing is somebody pointing out what's wrong. What's wrong in the body? What's wrong in the mind? What's wrong in the spirit? See, that's the first step of atonement, pointing out the wrong. And then acknowledging the wrong. Yes, there really is something wrong here. My heart really shouldn't be fluttering like that. I really shouldn't be constipated every single day. I really shouldn't get a headache every day. I really shouldn't have these abnormal periods. I really should be able to get pregnant. See, these pointing out the wrong. Yes. And then acknowledging that something is wrong. And then that leads to what? A confession. And repentance. Well, what's the confession? Well, the confession is actually getting confirmation through examination, through objective examination. That's what doctors do. You come in with a complaint. Something's wrong. Well, then the doctor acknowledges, oh, yeah, your arm does look like it might be broken. Get an x-ray. Okay, here's the report. Here's the confession. Your arm is broken <laughs> in three places. <laughs> and then we have to rethink now, okay, what must we do now? And then you come up with the fifth step, which is the atonement program. Well, if you're talking about health and healing, that is the treatment program. What needs to be done to correct what was wrong or what is wrong? And it's only an atonement in the fullest sense. It's only a complete cure. It's only a, a full healing mm -hmm. if it removes both the cause and the effect mm. of what was wrong. Because if you don't remove the cause of the wrong, it's going to come back again. If you don't correct the effect of the wrong, then that hurt, that wound is not going to be healed. And so a complete atonement is a complete healing that removes both the cause and the effect of the wrong that was acknowledged. And then you get to the sixth step, which is forgiveness. Why is that necessary? Well, you had a medical problem and an issue. Why? Because somebody made a mistake. Was it a mistake of the spirit? Was it a mistake of the mind? Was it a mistake of the body? Well, somebody made a mistake that led to a problem. And now that problem has been resolved through the process of atonement, through the healing. So now whoever made the mistake must be forgiven. So that the mind, the body, and the spirit, and the emotions can now be reconciled again. Because when you were sick, your emotions were all over the place. You were thinking all kinds of crazy thoughts. You know, the body was writhing in pain, maybe. Who knows what that was? You were on the operating table. Terrible things were happening to the body, to the mind, to the emotions, and it was all out of kilter. So now the atonement has been complete. The forgiveness has been had. And now there's a reconciliation where basically you're putting things back together, back in balance, back in homeostasis, to use a medical term. And then that produces the unity of the body. That is the glow of health.
And then that leads to the ninth step, which is unlimited progress, which is how you're going to close the gap. Because in one sense, let me finish on, on this. In mm -hmm. one sense, you're never going to close the gap. How are you going to catch up with God? Mm. Oh, wow. Dr. Arlene, you just, oof. That was beautiful. I just took many notes. Mm, mm, mm. Praise be to Allah. And if you all are enjoying this episode just as well as I am, please, please, please show your support by donating today to Cash App Dollar Signs Healing with Angelica to help sustain future episodes just like this. Also, if you are enjoying all the broadcasts here on CTGV Network, please show your support as well by donating today. Information will be on the screen below. I love you all. Now let's get back to today's show, How to Live an Abundant Life with Dr. Eileen. Oh my gosh, Dr. Eileen. Ooh, that was a lot. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to take all this back in and re-listen to this. So now I do have another question. And I believe this is very important for us to actually have an understanding of these factors so we can know when we may be engaging in certain factors that may not be beneficial to us. So what are three survival factors and three anti-survival factors that should be made known to us in order to live an abundant life? Because I don't think we know. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's a very good question. And actually, I wish I had a piece of artwork to show you, to illustrate the answer to that question. Yes. Um, <laughs> maybe I can uh, do something real quick here as I keep talking. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> but that's the basic shape. <laughs> can you see that? Yes, sir. So up here this this horizontal is time the horizontal is time of a person's life and the starting point of almost every life every baby born is 100 percent healthy 100 percent mentally healthy a clean slate Emotionally healthy, 100% in touch with God. See, that's a baby in the first minute of birth. Mm. Now, the Bible says, um, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then after many days, the uh, Word became flesh and dwelt among men. See, and that's where the trouble starts. Mm. See, the reason why the baby comes in 100% alive, totally aligned, there's no gap here, is because everything that happened to the baby was inside the womb, and it was governed by what? By the DNA. 
right? The genetics. What does DNA stand for? Deoxy, ribo, nucleic acid. Hmm. So look at this. Deox equals deus. What does deus mean? God. Mm. Deoxy means God. What does ribo mean? Well, it's the same thing as uh, what they call Jesus. Rabbi. Or Al-Rab. So deoxy means God, rab, ribo means master, Lord. Nucleic acid means, you know, nucleic is in the center. And what's acid? It's a chemical fire. So what does DNA really stand for? Deoxy, ribo, nucleic acid. It means that God. The Lord and master is at the center and burns like a flame at the center of my being. Mm. That's, D, that's DNA. So what is DNA? It's a genetic code. So the Bible is correct. In the beginning was what? The word, the DNA. In the DNA, the word was God and was with God. And under the instructions, under the directions, under the genetic code in the DNA, the word became flesh. This molecule of DNA became flesh. And after many days, dwelt among men. So the original influence was 100% God. And the power of that life was 100% God. And the feeding of that life was 100% God. Now he's born into the world. Now what happens? Now what happens? Now mama has to make a decision. Mm. It's going to be breastfeeding or infamil. There's going to be Cheerios in the morning. What's it going to be? Hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Mickey D's, Dunkin' Donuts, you see? Now the child is in the world among ignorant parents, mm. among ignorant relatives, friends, neighbors, schoolmates, ignorant people uh, giving out bad advice. So what begins to happen to the, the perfectly born child with no blemishes or defects? A genius mind, a perfect body. Mm. What happens? There's a decline. There's a decline. And the decline can be rapid or it can be gradual. But eventually the person reaches a point of what we might call the zone of disability. The body doesn't work anymore. My, 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 knee, my, 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 knee just, my, my knee just gives out on me. My, heart, my, heart, my heart's weak. My bladder's weak. They say I got a fallen womb. They told me I got lung cancer. I had a stroke last week. I can't move my right arm. Can't talk anymore. See, 
you're in the zone of disability. Mm. I can't sleep anymore. I can't have sex anymore. I can't run like I used to. I can't remember. I, I can't. I, I can't remember where, where did I put my car keys. <laughs> where's, where's, where's my where's my reading glasses? Because I can't see no more, and I and I can't find my glasses. See, you're in the zone of disability. I can't remember my children's name. Mm. I can't remember uh, the lessons anymore. I can't find my way back home. So you're in the zone of disability. Why? Because of what you were talking about, the negative stressors on life. So what are the things that push down the unlimited potential of a newborn baby? What pushes that potential down are the negative stressors. So what are those things? Well, I mentioned some of them. Bad advice from ignorant people. Mm -hmm. Bad food. You know, being exposed to poisons, chemtrails, poison water, taking antibiotics, tranqu tranquilizers, being vaccinated. Just being exposed to the ordinary stresses of life. If you can't bounce back from it, then each blow knocks you lower and lower and lower. Mm. And so that's what begins to accumulate over time. So we know um, in this society nowadays, most people think they're on the downhill by the time they reach like 35, 40 years old. Hey, I, uh, I'm still kicking, but not high. <laughs> you know, they, they visit the doctor on a regular basis. They got a medicine cabinet full of pills, or maybe they're a, a health nut. So instead of taking pharmaceuticals, they're taking herbs. But why would a healthy person have to take anything? Mm. The only reason why you think you have to take something is because you're sick to some degree. And so the, the question is, I guess I muddied up my picture here, but this decline, if it's not reversed, leads to that death at 70 years of age or earlier. Mm -hmm. And so the intervention has to be before that so that then there can be a rebound and a person can recover their health mm -hmm. and go on to live an unlimited existence. And you see, the technology to do that was introduced to us by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's what this is. Yes. This is the technology of how to reverse this decline, reverse it, Go back up to that full potential where you used to be when you were a little baby, where you get back now in touch with the God who created you. Then you can go on and live as long as you need to live in order to fulfill the mission that God himself gave to you. Mm. So now what are the, see the other part of your questions. See, I answered the negative part. Yes. What about the positive part? What are the things, the positive influences that push you up. Well, obviously, in some cases, it's just the opposite of what pushed you down. Mm -hmm. See, what's the basis of how to eat to live? It's fasting, meaning one meal a day, fasting with the right food. So we have a lot of people, they do half of it. Yeah, they'll, they'll do the fasting part, uh, but they're still eating the wrong food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How can you get the right food? Nowadays, where at Whole Foods? Where 
at Mickey D's, where are you going to get the right food? Where? Well, if you look back in history, when Adam was on the scene, where did he get his food from that made him such a big man? He got it from the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, who planted the garden? They said God planted the garden. Look in the New Testament scripture, the gospel. When's the last time, what was Jesus doing the last time somebody saw him? They say he was disguised as a gardener. Wait a minute, the first time you see God in the Bible, he's down on his knees, not praying. He's tending the garden. Then when he gets up off of his knees and confronts Adam, the only thing he tells Adam to do is to keep and tend the garden. Mm. And then when Jesus Christ is crucified and he comes back and he's seen by his disciples, the only thing he, uh, uh, the impression that they get, that he gives to them is be a gardener. Then 600 years later, here comes Prophet Muhammad, alayhi salam, and he gives the call to prayer, come to prayer, come to prayer, come to success, come to success. Then what does it say? Come to cultivation. Mm. Come to cultivation. Now, most of us are lazy people. We think somebody's supposed to cultivate us. Mm. Yeah, I'm just a Negro. I'm a nothing. So let me go in here and let somebody make something out of me. Really? No, no, no. You come to cultivation so that that which is in you that God desires can be made manifest. It's like finding a wild rose in the middle of a jungle. It's a rose, but it's almost like a weed. Mm. But if you take it and cultivate it, give it the right soil, not just whatever might be there, but give it the right soil, the right fertilizer, the right care, the clean water, and, and protect it from its natural pests. Then that wild rose that looked almost like a weed, after time passes, now you've got a beautiful award-winning rose with the most beautiful fragrance in the world that's simply divine. Why? Because the rose was cultivated. So that's what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has done for, for us. He offers us cultivation to stop being a savage, living a savage beast life. Yes. What, do, what do savages eat? Anything. And that's what we have, a group of people that eat anything. As long as it tastes good, or even if it don't taste good, they'll put some hot sauce on it and make it taste good. <laughs> <laughs> so now let, let me just close on that because see now see you touched on my favorite subject here how to eat to live yes <laughs> see now the only thing that Allah said that he cannot do and this is in how to eat to live the only thing that he said he cannot do now this is almighty God Allah himself in person speaking for himself he said the only thing that he cannot do is save us if we will not change our way of eating. Mm. He just can't do it. He can't save you if he cannot get you to change your way of eating. You're just doomed if he can't get you to change your way of eating. 
Now, if you look at it now, that's not so surprising, is it? Because how, how long has it been since people on planet Earth have known not to eat pork, for example? But people eat it every day, don't they? Mm -hmm. Does a lightning bolt come out of heaven and strike them dead because they violated God's law? No. Allah lets them continue to eat it. Until what? Until it kills them. Mm. So now, 2023, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, get your mouth out of the white man's kitchen. Well, did we do it? Well, you answered the question yourself. You know whether you did it or not. <laughs> well, if you didn't do it, now what's in the white man's kitchen for you today? Genetically modified food? Yes. Chemical additives, preservatives, cancer-causing things. And now, as we just reported the other night on the Your Immunity Project, now they've inoculated the chickens with the spike protein. They've inoculated the cattle. They've inoculated all of the poultry, all of the livestock. So you, you're in there eating your beef patty in your favorite restaurant. You don't, hey, you don't realize, oh, you just got vaccinated. Why? Because you didn't do what the messenger of God told you to do. Mm. He couldn't get you to change your eating habits. You were so lazy and so used to having other people grow your own food that you forgot God's command to Adam to keep and tend the garden. So you didn't do it mm. unless you did. And you know who you are if you did. So if you did that, then you have some good food to eat today. And you are what you eat or you are what you ate. And so that which you cultivate, cultivates you. So if you are cultivating good, healthy, nutritious food, well, then that makes you the same. You can't be any better than what you eat. So if God intends for you to be in the image and likeness of God, then you have to eat the, the diet of a God. You can't be in the image and likeness of God eating the diet of a devil. You see, and that's, and that's, that's the dissonance you know, that limits our life and makes it less than the abundance that it should be. Ooh. <laughs> wow, Dr. Aline. Woo oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you touched on that topic. I was actually going to go in. I actually had a question in regards to just how to eat to live in a diet and why it's so vital that we follow this. So we are able to live an abundant life and all praises due to the lie. You really nailed that, wrap that up. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Praise be to a lie. Oh my God. So I am going to um, take a few, I'm going to try to take, Look and see if we had any questions before we um, end the show. Oh, my God, Dr. Lee, I'm not going to lie. This topic within itself is a lot. So, inshallah, we may have to do a part two. Inshallah. Well, no, uh, let, let me uh, correct you slightly. Yes. This topic is not a lot. This topic is everything. Oof. When you're talking about life abundantly... That is life. Life is everything. Yes. What what is what you know, you know, if it's not life, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so life is everything. So if we're talking about life, we're talking about everything. Yes. And it's bigger than anything. 
because it's everything. <laughs> Which means, what are we talking about? We're talking about God. Mm, 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 so beautiful. Now, I do have a question, and then we'll get to if if there was any question. I have to go back up. Any questions um, in the um, comment section? I do want to know now, like, you know, you're the pioneer of abundant living, Dr. Aline. So how have you been able to live and maintain an abundant life, Dr. Aline? Let's talk about you. You know, you're a painter. You do all these things. Like, it's just, just beautiful. So let's talk about you. How do you, how did you, how are you able to live and maintain an abundant life? Well, that, that's a very good question, um, and I haven't often been asked that question. Um, but number one, I had good parents. I had a wonderful, beautiful, perfect mother who literally was a living saint. I don't, I can't think of anything bad about my mother. Mm. I never remember anybody ever saying anything negative about my mother nor do I know of anything negative about my mother. And my father uh, was the same. I don't know anything negative about my father. And then not only that, I had good grandparents. See, by my, I mean, I, I could go through my family history. I, I never heard a curse word uttered in my house. Mm. The only four letter word my father ever would say and he would look both ways before he would say it. He would say, damn. <laughs> See who heard. I never, I didn't, I didn't learn, I didn't learn how to cuss myself until I went to college. And I thought that was part of the black experience. Learning mm. how to call people out of their name with, with nasty language. So what I'm saying is that I had good parents. I had good upbringing. I went to a good church that was founded by my great grandmother. Um, I was a member of the Cub Scouts. I went to a very good high school that had uh, very high academic standards. I went to one of the best colleges in the country. That was a very free uh, type of environment. Uh, when I say it was a free environment, there, there was no grades. You were allowed to study whatever you wanted to study, and mm -hmm. you didn't have to worry about passing somebody's arbitrary test. And then I went to the best medical school in the country, Case Western Reserve. And the same thing was true at Case Western Reserve. They didn't give you grades. They made you into a doctor. Mm. So the first day, and, and it's interesting that, the, the, what, what's the date today, the 7th of September? Yes. It was probably around the 7th of September in 1971, that was the first day of medical school. Mm. Yeah, and the first lecture in medical school uh, went something like this. It was Dean Coy who said that this is a scientific medical school and we do not believe in the life force or life energy. And the minute that you believe in a life force or energy, then you have become a quack. Mm. Well, now, who was I in 1971 
on my first day of medical school. I was a class A FOI. I was dressed in a suit and bow tie sitting in the front row. I was selling 900 Muhammad Speaks newspapers every week. I was eating one meal every three days. I was sleeping one night out of every three nights. Mm. That was me, 1971, listening to somebody telling me that the minute that I believe in a life force or a life energy, that I'm a quack. Well, I'm sitting there saying, I'm a follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so I'm a quack from the minute, from, from the first minute. <laughs> so in other words, what I'm saying is I went to medical school and I learned what medical school was able to teach, mm -hmm. but I never found anything in medical school that was equal to this. Yes. They, don't, they don't have this. We had one lecture in nutrition in four years of medical school. The lecture was over within 45 minutes. I was the one that raised my hand. I said, how come we only get one lecture in nutrition? The professor looked up at me and said, young man, that's all we know. Mm. That's all we know. And they were lying about half of that. You see, mm. so in other words, I was immune yeah to the effects of education as i've often warned many students i used i i, I did a study groups at howard university university of the district of columbia i always interacted with college students and i did that because on that first day of medical school was the first time that i ever met a black doctor i never met a black doctor until i was in medical school and, I, and tears were streaming down my eyes. And Dr. Jackson said, oh, you're so happy to be in medical school. I said, well, that's part of it. I said, but the, the thing is, you're the first black doctor that I ever met in my life. Mm. This whole idea of being a doctor, this whole idea of going to medical school, it was a dream. There was no reality connected to it, but here I was. And I was there because of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So on the day I graduated from medical school, my parents were there with their chest, you know, full of pride at, their, at the accomplishment of their son. But I told my mother and my father, I said, yeah, take your credit for being good parents. I said, but this day never would have come had it not been for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm. And so give him the major credit with all due respects. And so that was my orientation from the very beginning. And so my challenge at, uh, career, at, at, in my medical career, the reason I went into surgery was because that was the broadest specialty that there was. A surgeon has to know everything. And so that's why I went into general surgery so I could know everything that there was to know in the field of medicine mm -hmm. and then see what was beyond that. So what was beyond that was to say, to, to make true, to prove that the claims that are made in this book are in fact scientifically provable. That Master Farad Muhammad says in this book through the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that fasting with the right food is the cure for all of your ills. 
Mm-hmm. Fasting with the right food. That's what it, that's what this book is all about. Well, the medical profession doesn't believe that. They think drugs is the answer. They think surgery is the answer. They think radiation is the answer. No, no. The Lord of the world says fasting with the right food. Mm-hmm. So what's the question then? What's the right food? So that's where nutritional therapy comes into play. Who is able to make a nutritional diagnosis? See, almost nobody. They'll tell you, they'll take a multivitamin. <laughs> take this, take that, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's, it's like guesswork. Yeah. Going to a health food store. There's a million things on the shelf. Well, which one are you supposed to take? Then somebody tells you some story. Well, my sister, she took soy so and so. See, that's not medicine. Mm-hmm. That's not health. And all of the people who are in that kind of sphere, they're full of confusion, anxiety, and grief. They know something's wrong. They're trying to stay away from the medical establishment, but now they're reaching for stuff that might be just as dangerous as what they're running away from. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't read How to Eat to Live, where the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says that he disagrees with the Bible writers. He says the Bible writers say that Adam could eat all of the herbs of the garden. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said no. Mm-hmm. He said if Adam ate some of those herbs, they would have killed Adam. So here, uh, here we are today, greatly diminished from the wisdom of Adam. Now here, we're willy-nilly just grabbing anything off the shelf that somebody wants to offer us, and we think that's going to result in health. No, no. So... That's kind of like my personal story. Abundant Life Clinic was also founded around this time of the year in 1986. And that was a collaboration with my partner, uh, Dr. Fulgenda Sinha, uh, who was the, he was the, he was from India. He was the past president of the All India Yoga Society or Association, I should say. And he came to America to teach yoga to people here. And he became my uh, partner. My, he was my yoga teacher as well. Uh, and of course, we taught yoga to Minister Farrakhan. That was a part of his treatment program, you know, during his medical situation. Uh, Dr. Sinha taught him a technique of healing called Dharna healing. We mm. wrote a book on that. It's out of print now, but, but that was a part of, I mean, so again, if you say, well, you know, what has it been like? What has all of this led to? It's led to just the exciting adventure of helping people to meet the challenges of life. Mm-hmm. That's what it's led to. And it's led to me at a certain time, not so long ago, really. It took about 40 years. It took about 40 years for me to prove what I just said, that fasting with the right food is the cure for all of our ills. And by that, I mean, I would say it's probably been about five or six years since I, as a doctor, found it necessary to write a prescription for some medication from a pharmacy. That all of the healing that takes place, takes place with uh, nutritional supplements Mm. and, of course, a foundational diet that is in accord with how to eat to live. Occasionally. Not often, but occasionally, 
I may have to use an herb as a part of a healing regime. But really, all of the healing is in the food. Mm -hmm. It is the right food in the right amounts. And so that's, uh, I would say, that's the crowning achievement of my career is that I can prove that how to eat to live is 100% correct. Yes. Yes, and and also how how to eat to live has actually helped you in living an abundant life because we have to know the right foods to eat. So I love it. I love it. Our praises. Yes, and of course, when you say abundant life, mm -hmm. see, I agree with you. See, um, we uh, live in a world or are used to living in a world where the most that anybody could expect would be to have one career. So you go to school, get some training, you end up being a plumber, architect, airline pilot, whatever it is, that's your career. Mm -hmm. And you spend 30 years, 40 years doing that. Then you retire. And then you die. See, that's that's the life expectancy, and that's not much of an abundant life. Yeah. But now with how to eat to live, you see, I, I've I've lived long enough to get bored with medicine. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice being able to cure pe people. It's nice to be able to conquer disease. That's nice. It's nice to be able to do research. That's that's wonderful. But I have other interests too. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning how to sing. All my life, I was telling people, they say, oh, you have a beautiful voice. And I would say, well, I can't sing. Now I can. Why? Because I have the time to cultivate my voice. Yes. The only reason I couldn't sing before was I never took the time. I never put the attention on it. I never put the energy enough into it to actually cultivate a voice. Now I'm a painter. I'm getting ready to have an art show. Yay. Yeah, Yay. I'm getting ready to, I was on my way to Switzerland, the Art Basel, you know, getting ready <laughs> to go to Miami to display art. I have a, I have an art catalog, 400 paintings. Oh, wow. But where do you get the time to do 400 paintings? Well, one thing I forgot to say about how to eat to live, how to eat to live is not for slaves. Mm. How to eat the lives cannot be practiced by slaves because you don't see a slave does not control his or her time. A slave does not control his or her energy. A slave does not control his or her concentration or focus of attention. Mm -hmm. They have to pay attention to what other people tell them to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. They have to use their energy to promote somebody else's health or somebody else's uh, endeavors. They're a slave. They're working for somebody else. So their blood, sweat, and tears goes to the benefit of somebody else, not themselves. And mostly they don't have any time. They're working, the, you know, say the average person with a job, they're working eight hours a day. With a, with a one hour commute to work, another hour commute on the way home. They don't even have time to take care of their children. The children are in daycare. They don't have time to cook. 
What time do they have to clean their house? That's why they're wearing wigs. Mm. They don't have time to comb their hair. <laughs> they got to be on the job. So in other words, this type of person is trying to practice how to eat to live with a 20 minute lunch break. Mm. See, this type of person is, is trying to cut corners uh, and eating instant foods and going to fast food restaurants. See, the most pitiful thing in the world is to see, say, an MGT with a headdress on in Whole Foods, in Kroger supermarket, going down the aisles, uh, looking over what the devil wrote on the label, trying to figure out what's safe to eat. As <laughs> though there's anything in there that's safe to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like she don't know that. She knows that. But she said, but I don't have time. I don't have time to do what? Uh, to have a garden. I don't have time to breastfeed. I can't grow my own food. I can't can. I can't cook a complete meal. I don't have time. I got to work overtime. They called me in. See, that's a slave. Mm. How, how can you see if you're eating one meal a day one meal every two days one meal every three days when I was eating one meal every three days do you know how big that meal was can you imagine as a matter of, I, I was in medical school mm -hmm. in Cleveland Ohio so I was actually eating at the Shabazz restaurant so everybody in the mosque knew when it was my day to eat <laughs> and I was a spectacle because I would sit down and the sisters back in the kitchen they would they was they would bring out a whole loaf of toasted bread a whole loaf <laughs> of toasted bread I'd eat two three four bowls of bean soup I have two or three main entrees then the dessert the bean pie <laughs> the ice cream <laughs> <laughs> I would finish class at uh, class was over at 12 noon. I would start eating my one meal after three days. I would start eating at one o'clock in the afternoon. I was still eating at 10 o'clock at night. And then I would go to sleep because I hadn't been asleep in three days. Whew. Yeah. You see, so that's how it's done and if i had not been able to do that if i had not had that technology i i, I never would have even made it into medical school because the truth of it is i was a literature major i was a poet and i came in the nation of islam and honorable Elijah muhammad made it very clear hey we we need we need everything in the building of a nation not yeah. necessarily a literature major so I switched majors to be to medicine, but I had to finish the whole pre-med curriculum in two years. So how do you do four years of work in two years and still come out on top and still sell 900 papers a week mm. and still make every meeting and still work a part-time job as a janitor? And since I didn't have a car, I had to hitchhike every day to school. How do you do that? I'm about to say, listen, you have to have some energy. <laughs> yeah. 
So all praises due to Allah for the honorable Elijah Muhammad. <laughs> yes, sir. All praises is due to Allah. All praises is due to Allah. Now, um, I am going to go ahead and end off the show today. Now, anybody that had any question, please make sure you guys email me your questions. So possibly, inshallah, if Dr. Aleem is able to connect again, we can ask these questions towards the um, time of that show. So, because I've seen I had a lot of questions and I'm not seeing some of the other questions that was at the beginning because of the static that we had going on um, as well. But before we end the show, before we end the show, right? <coughs> let's, let I have one more question to ask you before we end the show. And this is for everyone to know. What advice, and you pretty much gave us, I believe, the gist of what we need to do. But what advice would you give a person who doesn't know where to start to claim their abundant life now? Where do you start? You already started. <laughs> <laughs> you already got started a long time ago. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so you just have to catch up with yourself and find out where you are right now so again we're we're, we're we could use um you know the steps of atonement you know take a good hard look at yourself you see to look, look at your body you take off your clothes and stand in front of a mirror you know see what you actually look like find out what you actually smell like you know all the rest of it and do the same. Inspect your own mind. How how clear are your thoughts? One way to be uh, to find out about that is <clears throat> how well do other people understand what you say? Mm. Or are using are you using a lot of slang words and and you, you feel me, brother? You feel me? You you, you see me, man? You know, <laughs> you're hoping that people kind of get it. Mm. See, that's another gap. Isn't it a communication gap? Mm, yes. So if I can clarify my thinking, see verbally, so that my thoughts are clear to myself, then when I articulate and communicate with another person, then that clarity will also come up, come across. So if you find yourself constantly having to explain yourself over and over again, and people just don't get you. Hey, hey, that's the sign. Hey, wait, let me get my thoughts straightened out. Well, how do you do that? Well, the best and easiest way to do that is through dialogue with other people. Mm. You see, because that's what dialogue is. It's collective thinking. It's collective thinking. Just like people sing together. They play music together. They dance together. Well, okay, that's the body, right? That's the body singing. That's mm. your vocal cords, right? dancing that's that's your body moving and you're doing that with other people right okay well what about the mind what's the dance of the mind what's the singing of the mind it's called dialogue so if you obey the rules of dialogue then dialogue itself will correct your thinking because you'll say what's on your mind and somebody else listening to you will say hey wait a minute that doesn't sound quite right and they'll put a correction into your statement and that will help you and help them. And you're doing the same by them. 
And so at the end of the dialogue, every's, everybody's mind has been cleansed of misperceptions, false information. And everybody has a new clear understanding of whatever the topic was about. Mm -hmm. You see, and so if someone is, is constantly engaged in that kind of thing, it, it clears up the confusion in the mind. Then of course, with the spirit, we know the spiritual practices. See, prayer, what's wrong with prayer? But a lot of people say they're confused in life, things aren't going right, this is wrong, that's wrong. You know, okay, yeah, but how many prayers did you say today? Then mm. yeah, a lot of people, if they told the truth, they, hardly, they don't hardly say any prayers. That's the truth, they don't. They, they don't, they forget about that. Even though the Quran says that the remembrance of Allah surely is the most powerful force. Well, I guess it is because if you remember Allah, Allah is remembering you. Yes. And if you have the power of God uh, on your side, hey, that is the most powerful force. But if you forget God, I imagine God could forget you. Why shouldn't he? Because, you know, this is one thing people overlook. Um, see, Jesus said, pray constantly and faint not. Then when Prophet Muhammad came along, alayhi salam, uh, he went on his night journey into heaven and God told Prophet Muhammad uh, that he wanted 50 prayers a day. That's what God said, 50 prayers a day. Then Prophet Muhammad went down and talked to Musa. Musa said, you better go back and renegotiate that. <laughs> and they went back and forth and eventually Allah agreed. Allah agreed, see, the, the most merciful Yes. The most beneficent God. He wanted 50 prayers. He wanted 50 prayers a day. And what and what did he agree to? Because he's the most merciful. He agreed to five. Mm -hmm. But what did he want? 50. He wanted 50. So now how in the world could you and I think that we're going to close the gap between us and God? And God's asking for 50 and all we're willing to give is, is five. And most of the time we don't even give him five. How are you going to close the gap like that? God said, I want 50. Jesus said, pray constantly and faint not. So even if you give God five prayers a day, that's still only 10% of what he asked for. So now, what do you think you're going to get in return for 10%? If something costs $100 and only and you only got $10, what do you think you're going to get <laughs> in exchange? How are you going to get 100% beneficence, 100% mercy, 100% of everything that God has to offer you? How are you going to get 100% of that and you only going to give 10%? 10 mm. Come on now. Islam is mathematics. Yes. That don't even add up. <laughs> no. So now you can see why the Islamic world is in the condition that it's in. And you can see why the Muslims are in the condition that they're in. Because they're actually reneging even on the 10% promise that they made to Allah. Mm. And then they had the nerve to stand up in front of Allah and say, Thee alone do we serve. <laughs> mm. Really? And you're getting ready to go to work for the enemy? And you're like, thee alone do we serve. No, you don't. You're a slave. 
and you slave and you're serving your slave master and you're lying to God, talking about that he's the only one you serve. Mm. So stop lying. See, that would be good for your spirit if you stop lying to God. And you started to remember your prayers, even if it's just a 10%. I mean, he's a merciful God. He'll, he'll, he'll let you get by with just five. He already said he'll let you get by with five. He won 50, but he'll let you get by with five. That's the kind of God you got. Mm. He's not evil and mean, like they say. He's very merciful. So all you got to do is give him 10%, and he's likely to give you 100%, even though you don't deserve 100%. Mm. You only deserve 10%, but he's so good, he might give you 100% nonetheless. So, again, those are the things that we can do. We act like we're hope, we're helpless, and you have the best friend in the whole world on your side. Ooh. I remember when I was selling Muhammad Speaks, there was a Muhammad Speaks that was entitled The Friendship of Allah. That was the title on the paper. I love that paper. I don't know how many of them papers I sold because I love I, I just wanted everybody to know that 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 you have an open invitation to the friendship of Allah. Ooh. And you better not turn it down. I mean, if you got any good sense, you better not turn that down. Because <laughs> if you turn down the friendship of law of Allah, then what are you left with? The hatred of the devil. That's what you're left with. Mm -hmm. So again, those are the clear choices that people can make. You can stay with the devil, or you can come over on God's side. Yes. You see, now the devil will threaten you. I sent out a verse, you know, from the Quran in the Surah the Al-Baqarah, verse 268. See, the devil will threaten you with what? Poverty. Destitution. You're going to be outdoors. You're going to be homeless. <laughs> and because of that, then he entices you to do things that you otherwise would not do. Yeah. That's the only reason why the sister get a, got, got that abortion. Because the devil says you're going to be in poverty and you can't afford to have a baby, so go kill it. Mm. But Allah promises you abundance. See, we're talking about abundant life. Who makes the promise of abundant life? The devil offers you a pension. I know Social Security, welfare. That's what he offers you. The chance to be with him. That's what he offers you. You can go to Disney World with him. Your children can be educated by drag queens in elementary school mm. with him. But he threatens you with poverty, even though you're already poor. You've been a slave for 400 years. <laughs> Allah came to give you some money and good homes and friendship and all walks of life. So why are you turning down? Yes. See, this, that's, that's that confusion. So I, 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 uh, I'm having fun here, as you can see. Um, and these are good questions that... Uh, deserve good answers and they deserve answers that um are entertaining and lively because it gives people something to think about yes you know and when they think about it then it puts a smile on their face and then what's better than that you see that as a doctor that's what i lived for yeah see, i hated to see the people come in in pain suffering in distress you know just just suffering but the joy would come, maybe the second visit, third visit, 10th visit, whenever it would come, when that same sick person comes in with a big smile on their face and you know they're back into the swing of life. And mm -hmm. so that's what it's all about, helping one another as best we can.
Well, I've definitely been enjoying myself. I'm so glad we got the aesthetic out the way. Because <laughs> yeah. everyone needed to hear this. And oh my gosh, you just gave so much life and gems. And oh my God, our praises is due to a lot. And I just want to say thank you so much again, Dr. Aline, for joining me today to discuss this well-needed topic, beautiful topic, how to live an abundant life. I would also like to thank my amazing audience and healing tribe for joining us today. I pray that this episode was informative and valuable in healing. That's the point, healing. To you all. Also, be sure to share, like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes on any of your favorite podcast station. Closing the Gap Broadcast Network on Facebook, CTG Broadcast on YouTube, and Healing with Angelica Podcast on Facebook and YouTube to help get the message out and spread it out like wildfire to those in need. <laughs> also, if you all are ready to start your healing journey and don't know where to start, Healing with Angelica is offering a one-hour consultation call to get you started on your journey. More information to schedule will be shown in the description box below, including Healing with Angelica's merch and more with additional information for today's special guest, Dr. Abdul Aleem Muhammad. I also put um, his website so you guys can find him. Dr. Aleem, is there... Um, is there anywhere else in particular that our guests can reach out to you on or? Well, the best, uh, uh, my website is dralim.com and you can order the Pax Immune for viral illnesses uh, yes. there. Um, but um, if you want a personal or professional consultation with me, uh, then use this email. It's mail at dralim.com. Um, now I'm backed up. So this is not for emergency cases. It may take me a few weeks actually to get to you. Uh, what I'm going to ask you to do uh, is to send three photographs because I do remote autonomic response testing uh, to make the diagnosis and to develop a treatment program. So you're going to send a photograph full length front, full length back, and a side profile of the head and neck. Uh, and you'll send that to mail at dralim.com and I'll do the autonomic response test. I'll give you a report of findings and a suggested treatment program. Oh my gosh, I love it. And, and uh, I'll, I'll have to talk to you another time about that, but I'm very, very interested in that. I know they called it like muscle testing. Yes. yes. Yes, yes. I see that you are definitely into that. So yes, inshallah, we will talk soon about that. And I will also make sure I put that email as well so you guys can reach out to Dr. Eileen. And also before we end the show, I would like to give a special, special recognition to those that have contributed to making Healing with Angelica what it is today. Special recognition to Sister Yatara, Sister Denise, Emerald Walton, Paul Muhammad and Sister Margaret Muhammad. I'm sorry, Margaret, Margaret Maddie. I'm sorry, probably said it wrong. Maddie, you are appreciated. <laughs> Dr. Eileen, I know we've been we've been been talking for a while, and it's again, this is everything, and there's not it's, it's not <coughs> enough to talk about. We can talk about this all day, but before we end the show, Dr. Eileen, 
Before we end the show, is there any closing remarks for our audience today? <laughs> well, I, I think we've covered, you know, uh, the main things. Uh, but the point I would emphasize more than anything else that I've said is take charge of your own. You know, general orders are in effect. Take charge of your post and all temporal property in view. So the only thing that is your own, that is on your post, is your time, your attention, and your energy. Mm. And what it is for you to do is to give your time, your attention, and your energy to those things that promote your survival. And when we use the word survival, we're talking about health, because that's all health is, is the ability to survive. And you need to survive because God gave you a mission. He gave you a work to do. Uh, they changed the word <clears throat> that used to be uh, the proper relationship with God. The original word was workship. W-O-R-K ship. Workship with mm -hmm. God. In other words, join him in his work. That was proper worship. Mm -hmm. But they took the K out and now we're left with idol worship. Mm. Idol worship means two things. It means that they give you an idol to worship and it also makes you idle mm -hmm. <laughs> so that you don't do anything. And so we have to give our time, our energy and our attention to that which helps us. And the only thing that helps us the most, of course, is to give our time, our attention, uh, and our energy to the God who created us. And that's the only way that we will close the gap. Ooh, that was so beautiful. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Beautiful closing remarks, Dr. Eileen. <laughs> Thank, Thank you again for joining us today. And we leave you all as we came. Assalamu alaikum. Peace, well, healing, and light.